Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hello and welcome, everyone, to the Pure Hope Show. Tonight, we do have a wonderful, wonderful guest on our program who has written a good book. I would even put it in the great book choice list called Choices. And I'm going to read you just a small bit from her book and then introduce the author to you. And I love this piece that I read. It is, in the beginning, it is important to know the truths about our existence. We are not alone. We have hundreds, thousands, millions of spirit guides, angels, ascended masters, animal guides, and teachers who are looking out for our best interests every single day of our lives. Why then, you might ask? Is my life so complicated, so unorganized, or in so much turmoil? For one simple reason, and only one, you are not yet, you do not yet realize that you are worthy to receive assistance from such highly recognized and important beings. Therefore, you do not ask for their assistance. And if you do, it's just a matter of formality. And you ask with doubt in your heart, never truly believing that you will receive anything, but more bad luck. This is a deadly spiral that we all at some time or another bring upon ourselves. Powerful stuff, huh? These are powerful words. And of course, this is a big, bold statement that takes a gutsy lady to say such thing as this. So I really want you to let yourself hear this and listen to what our program will be talking about. Our program tonight is called Choices, which I think is a fantastic topic because we're constantly always making these choices. And when I introduced our guest tonight, one of the things she just talked about is that when she wrote this book, it was meant for people who were feeling alone and hopeless and that letting everybody know that we are not alone. So we're going to meet some, uh, many, many women have read and written wonderful books, but please let me give you the phone number to call on to our program tonight. If you have any questions, if you want to be a part of this program tonight or make a comment, we will be taking these phone calls uh, later in the evening uh, because we're going to let Pure Spirit just talk through Nancy. The number to call, though, is, if you'd like to be on the air with us, is 213-559-2974. Again, the number is 213-559-2974. Press the number one, and our program director will put you on the air with us tonight. Choices. What does the dictionary say about choices? This is what it says. Choice. It is an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two 
or more possibilities. The right or ability to make a selection. A range of possibilities from which one or more may be selected. So we hope that if you're listening tonight, you'll sit down with a nice cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And listeners across the nation, and we do have many people across the nation that indeed is listening. If you find some worth in this and a gem in this, we ask you to perhaps text your friend, tell them to get on the air with us tonight, and uh, listen as well. So now our guest tonight is Nancy Byrne. She is the author of the book Choices, which is a cutting-edge book that brings absolute empowering choices back into your life again. And in her book, Nancy helps readers to transcend the limits of common thought into empowering thought. She was featured author at the Louise Hayes I Can Do It conference in Denver, Colorado, where her book totally, totally sold out. But this is the other list of gifts and abilities that our guest has, and this is that she is a reader, a channeler, a Reiki master, a spiritual teacher, an astrologer. She also has had major uh, in many, many areas. She's majored in uh, psychology in the University of Colorado. She has worked in numerous areas. Here's just a few of those again. She worked as an adolescent psychiatric treatment center. She was the executive director for Women in Need Support Program, a rape crisis center. As you can see, it is her soul's desire, and this came right off her website. You see it is her soul's desire to give back to the universe and to serve by assisting others on their life's journey. So please help me give a warm, warm welcome to our guest, Nancy Byrne, tonight. Hello, Nancy. Welcome to the program. Hi, Hope. Thank you for having me on tonight. It is wonderful to have you on. Now, are you calling right in from Colorado tonight, from Denver? Or? No, actually, oh, this is another story in and of itself, but Spirit moved us to Whidbey Island, which I never thought I would be living on an island because I've always been terrified of water. <laughs> wow. So, so um, and now, I, you know, I just, that, we'll talk about this later maybe, but I just... Every time that spirit, you know, spirit sees a whole picture and we don't. And I would have never, ever moved to an island, you know, if I realized that you had to take a ferry to get here (laughs) over the ocean. Ah. And I am so grateful. Every morning my husband and I wake up and we just are so grateful to live here. I walk with this crazy bunch of women on the beach. They walk all the beaches of the island. And there have been times when we have been up to our practically up to our waist, our hips at least, in, in water with a, a cliff on one side and the water coming in. I was never scared or panicky. I knew we were going to get through it. Another time we were walking and we, a group of us were ahead of the others and we ended up in sink sand and we couldn't walk. We were trying to get out. We just kept going in deeper and deeper. Spirit said, drop to your knees and crawl. That's the very first time in my whole life I immediately obeyed. <laughs> and I was able to crawl out, and then the other women was screaming at them to drop their knees and crawl, and we all got out. So it's just amazing what what spirit has planned for you if you just trust and let go. 
I love that. I love that you said, Nancy, it's amazing what spirit has planned for you because we all, they all have a plan for us in this big picture right now, don't they? They do. And, you know, it is for our greatest joy. It's to give us health, happiness, prosperity, love, everything. Spirit does not want to give us disease and turmoil and grief. I, each of us, every single one of us is cannot believe how much you are loved and you cannot believe the miracle that each and every one of you are. Wow. Wow. Well, tell, I always like to ask the question, Nancy, how did you get involved in helping people and doing all the work that you are doing right now? When did that begin? When did you become sparked with that and started moving in spirit? Well, um, I grew up in a, a, really dysfunctional home. I was um, sexually abused and um, beaten by my dad, you know, at a really early age, about probably two and a half. And, um, you know, so I just, I guess I didn't realize that I was um, depressed. And one night when I was about 10, um, dad had gone into the bars drinking, which he usually did. And I snuck out the back door and snuck over to the church, which was catacorner from us. We, I was raised and born in the Catholic church, and there was a Catholic church on the corner. And um, I walked through the front doors and walked right up to the front. The whole church was totally dark except for two penance candles that someone had lit on the altar. And I knelt down in the very front pew, and I was just in tears. I was hysterical, begging God to please please let me die. And my rationale was that there are so many people out there that want to live and they die. And I wanted to die and I was still alive. So couldn't he please let me die and let somebody who wanted to live, live. And at that moment, I felt a hand on my shoulder and I turned, I thought, oh God, it's a priest. He's going to take me home and I'm going to get beat up again for coming to pray. And um, I turned around and there was no one there. And I even got up and knelt on the pew and looked over to see if somebody was hiding there. When I turned back around, the altar was this most amazing golden glow. It was like, it was just so calming and and just, it permeated every cell in my body. I knew at that moment that someone greater than my mom or dad, you know, loved me. And that was all that mattered. And it's not like wow. the beating stopped or anything happened, but I had that. It was like I just, I had it in my heart. I knew that I was loved, and that's all that mattered. Hmm. So, you know, I know so many people go through so many things, and I've, I've always been drawn to help kids and battered women, it seems like, because those are the, you know, experiences that um, I've had. And I had... Another experience later on, I've had several experiences, but another time um, when I still lived in Colorado, I was married once, I was married before, and um, we lived at a, a ranch in Colorado, and um, I loved Colorado. I really loved living there, but I love Woodby Island more. Anyway, um, <laughs> a family had moved in about 
you know, three weeks before, and they had two small children, two little girls, about two and a half or three and about five, maybe five and a half. And um, we had, you know, tornadoes and all kinds of stuff in Colorado. And so um, the dad was putting up a trampoline for the little girls, and he was cementing the posts so that they wouldn't blow away. And uh, the little girls were so excited. They were just, I mean, they couldn't contain themselves. They were jumping up and down and carrying the pieces of poles to their daddy and, and the tools and everything. The mom had had a cake out there, and they had lemonade or whatever. And it was just a really joyous occasion, you know, for the whole family. And I was thinking, oh, how cute. And um, my husband at the time and I had just um, divorced, and I was in a really bad place. Um, fast forward three weeks uh, from that, we had a summer, st- a spring storm, and um, it was all oh, thundering, and the lightning was crashing. It was a der- torrential downpour, and um, I heard this big bang, and I thought, oh, my God, our roof caved in. What else could go wrong? <laughs> and um, I went, for some reason, I went out to the walkout basement, and walked out, and there was this, the little girl's trampoline, and it was just smashed on the back of our house. Yeah. And I thought, oh, God, those poor little girls, they're going to be so sad. You know, their, their trampoline is gone. And I was walking up the stairs, and I was just thinking sometimes life just, you know, it just sucks. <laughs> and um, I got up the stairs, and movement caught my eye out of the corner of my eye I saw movement and I turned around and looked and there were those two little girls out in the lightning storm and they were picking up metal poles on the <sighs> trampoline <sighs> and the little one just had underpants no shoes no top and the older one had on a little top and I think shorts but no no shoes and I was like oh my god they're going to get killed so I dialed the number no answer. And I thought, I'm just nervous. I need to calm down and redial. I dialed again. No answer. So I went and jumped in my car and I drove over there. And, you know, being the adult, I said, what are you girls doing out in this lightning storm? Get in the house now. Well, the little one, she put her hands on her little hips and she didn't say anything, but her attitude was, don't tell me what to do. You're not my mommy. (laughs) So, So I asked the older one, I said, where is your mommy? And she said, oh, she's visiting Connie. She'll be home any moment now. And I said, listen, you could be heard out here. I said, it's lightning and you're carrying metal poles. Please get in the house and promise me that you won't come out until your mommy gets home. And I will put all the metal poles safely underneath the roof so that your dad can find them up on the porch, okay? I promise you, I will pick up all the pieces so your daddy can find them. And the little one was crying, and she was like, our daddy going to be so sad. We have to help our daddy. And the older one was really relieved. She was pulling her in the house, you know. So I did. I picked up all the pieces of the, you know, all the metal poles, and I stacked them on the side of the house underneath the you know, the roof of the porch so that their dad would have them. And I went home, and I was just drenched, and I changed my clothes, and all I wanted was to open up a can of soup. And all of a sudden, it started. We had this huge hailstorm. And within a matter of just minutes, it seems like, we probably had about three to four inches of golf-sized hailstones on my deck, And I looked out, 
and there were the two little girls again. And they must have found something, a lug nut or something, because the older one had her little hand out, and they were looking open, and they were walking on the ground. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to be killed. And without thinking hope, I just screamed. And I pointed, and I've never pointed at anyone before in my life, and I screamed, I command you to stop this storm now. And the storm stopped. And then Uh. I was like, oh. Do, 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 do. Oh. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be turned into a charcoal briquette. And I'm, I said, I respectfully thank you for, for stopping the storm. And I'm thinking, who am I to command the hand of God? And Spirit said, you are the hand of God, Nancy. You are all the hand of God. I need you more than you need me. I'm spirit. You can't see me with your physical eyes. You can't touch me with your physical body. You can't hear me with your physical ears. I cannot physically wipe the tears from a child's face. But you, in your flesh and blood bodies, can do that and so much more. If I were to build an orphanage in the middle of the desert would be torn down because someone would think it was a demonic spirit. But if a human being in a flesh and blood body did it, it would stand. You're all here to help each other and to work together, and you're all basically walking each other home. And I just, I just, I was so honored. I just felt, my God, if we knew the immensity, if we knew our true worth and our value if we realized how important we are. I mean, the spirit needs us on this earth. I mean, we look at ourselves and we think we're so small and we're so little and, and we're so imperfect and we're just not good enough. And we don't have a clue the majesty that we are. We're all miracles. And we have all been given everything we need, everything we need you know, to live happy, prosperous, and healthy lives. We just don't remember who we are yet. And I think that's, you know, in my book there was a place about, um, we you were reading about that we have so many spirit guides and stuff. And, you know, we have been, I think, socialized that, this is the way we are. Society tells us we're a certain way. This is a certain way we act. If we want to be accepted and fit in, we do certain things. You know, religious dogma tells us that we're sinners and we're horrible beings and we're born with, you know, with venial sin. And, and we were not born with sin. We were not born with an Achilles tendon. We were not born with hubris. What we were born with is all the power in the world to change the world. We have everything we need to help one another. And we don't realize it because we believe we've bought into this lie that's been told to us. Instead of listening to spirit, we we listen to a man. I just think it's so important to, you know, to understand that, you know, all of our guides, we have just armies of guides, and they're bored stiff because we never utilize them. 
we don't mm-hmm. think we deserve. You know, we're just, and we've been given free will. And if you don't ask, if you don't want, if you don't think you're deserving and you don't ask for it, if you aren't willing to accept it, you're not going to get it. We block ourselves from all the gifts that we could have. It's like if I wrote you a check for a million dollars and you thought, oh, who would want to give me a million dollars? I'm just a loser anyway. You put it in your drawer and it sits there for hundreds of years and just deteriorates. It doesn't do you any good to be given these gifts if you don't use them, if you don't realize that you're deserving. And just by the mere fact that you're here on this earth at this time makes you worthy. We're all worthy. You know, gifts aren't given just to an elite few. They're given to all of us. We all have, you know, certain different gifts. Um, Just like in the world, a carpenter has different gifts than you know, uh, a janitor or a plumber or an electrician. But we all have gifts that when we work together are very, very powerful. And that's the whole thing. We need to come together because we are all connected. And when we think that there's, we, we dwell on the separation, you know, the color of our skin or our sexual preferences or I mean we can come up with so many things that we think separate us it's it's not benefiting us it's not benefiting any of us you know if you needed a transfusion and or you would die and somebody gives you their blood you're not going to ask them what religion they belong to or what sexual preference they have or what the color of their skin is you're going to be grateful for that life-giving blood Wow. Wow. You better put on your list inspirational teacher speaker as well, because I got God bumps up my arms when you were talking about that whole story, because one of the questions I was going to ask you, Nancy, is because lots of times people will want to rebunk this or rebuke this right off the bat. And so I did think that it would be wise to address the truth of this immediately that, we do have, when you make the statement in the beginning that the only reason why one's life is out of sorts is because they do not find themselves worthy of receiving the support from their guides and saints and angels. How would you kind of emphasize that or talk about that a little bit more? Well, it's just, you know, I think, like I said, we just, we just think we're unworthy. We think we were born sinners, you know, and we have to, we just somehow have to do penance. We can't enjoy life, this majestic life that we've been given. We need to live in poverty, you know, because money is the root of all evil. We need to, you know, say the rosary and, you know, pound our chest. You know, one of the verses in the Catholic Church is mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, which means you know, my fault, my fault, it's all my fault. It's not your fault. It's just that, you know, we spend our lives, you know, um, supporting values that aren't even ours. Most people, when they grow up, don't even leave the hometown that they were born in. This is what their parents did. This is what they do. Most people stay in the same religion. Most people even work in the same job that their families worked in. 
it's um, we don't we've never been taught to think for ourselves. We've never if you don't spirit told me that if you don't love, cherish and honor yourself, you can never love, cherish and honor someone else. And the reason we don't trust God and we don't, no matter how much we say we do, it's most of us it's just something that you say because we don't trust ourselves and we have to trust ourselves first because we're this magnificent creation we're part of spirit spirit lives inside of us of course we're you know we're part of god and we're worthy we just have to understand this and you know if people would just take just a little bit of time you know test it out if you ask you will receive you know, um, spirit wants to be your very best friend. It's like when you have a best friend, you talk to him. You tell him everything. Your ups, your downs, everything. Not just, oh, woe is me. Oh, this is terrible. You don't just call your best friend when everything's going wrong. You call him to tell him, hey, I got a new dress for the party tonight. You know, I'm so excited. And you don't always minimize yourself so that your best friend doesn't feel small. And that's the kind of relationship spirit wants with us. Spirit wants you to talk and to share your everything about yourself with him. Spirit wants you to come like you would to a best friend when you need help. But spirit also wants you to come when you're grateful for something you received and just form a close relationship. We have, you know, we live 365 days of our lives for as old as we are. I don't think it's too much to give spirit 10 or 15 minutes a day just to devote to spirit. You don't have to sit there and, you know, whatever. I To me, nature is my church. I love being out in, in nature. It just, it just touches my heart, my soul. So, you know, you could go for a walk in nature and tell spirit what's going on in your day, not that he doesn't already know, but and how grateful you are for this and this and this. And we all have something to be grateful for. We all do. I mean, hmm. if nothing else, be grateful you got up in the morning. Some people don't and can't get out of bed. Be grateful that, you know, that your body is relatively healthy. Lots of people, you know, there's that saying about... I cried because I didn't have any shoes or something, and then I saw a man that didn't have any feet. There is always something you can be grateful for, and the more you put gratitude out there, the more you're calling it to yourself because we're all energy, and what we put out there is what we get back. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really true. And, you know, there's that verse about the, what is it, the hundredth monkey that I heard in psychology class one time. He's talking about the, a bunch of researchers trained a monkey to how to break open a co- coconut so they could eat the flesh. And then later on, in the furthest parts of the earth where this monkey couldn't have possibly gotten to, um, researchers saw monkeys and they're all breaking coconuts on the rock so that they can get to the flesh. And when you, you know, when you uplift your consciousness, when you realize the miracle that you are, you're giving other people permission to do the same thing. In my book, I quoted Marian Williamson. Um, actually, it was a, a book that um, I think it was Martin Luther King, a, a poem that Martin Luther King had used in his inaugural ad- address. But she's saying that 
it doesn't bring glory to anyone, not to us, not to spirit, not to anyone, to make ourselves small and to hide our light under a bushel. What glory does that do? What brings glory to yourself and to spirit is when you say, look at the miracles that are happening in my life. Look at the wonderful things that are happening. And it gives other people permission, you know, to open up and say, yeah, well, and this happened to me. And instead of we compare, you know, we compare sad stories all the time. They say that our biggest addiction is talking about our woes and how everything's going wrong. And I think that's true. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to break that habit because it's not benefiting Mm -hmm. us at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, is your husband on board with all of this? Like, have you had any family members that when you started waking up to the truth of who you are and always have been, like, is your husband on board with that? Did you have children that rejected you or were they on board with this? Or um, My children are pretty much, um, my son's, really believed because they couldn't figure out how I was always right about things that I had no way of knowing. But their wives are um, still in the Catholic Church, and, you know, of course, that's not really accepted. So, But I did have an experience when my grandson was, oh, gosh, I don't know, three or four. He was little. He was walking, though, and he could talk pretty well. And I had this dream and um, and I don't know where I was, but this being, I never saw its face or anything, was taking me up the stairs into this beautiful, beautiful building. And um, when we walked in, all the walls were made of solid gold and even the floor. And it was like um, safety deposit boxes, you know, in a bank. Mm-hmm. And this being was just showing me all the awards that people had received since the beginning of time for service to humanity. And he was pulling out, you know, these, you know, these, all these awards and showing me all these wonderful awards. And, and then I was let out of the building and I was just like, Oh my God, my whole life has been devoted to the service of humanity. And I failed. I, I didn't even get the least of the awards. And then he took me into this other building. And again, it was about the third of a third of size of the original building. And um, again, the walls were solid gold, but they and they were they were covered with every kind of of precious stone you could imagine: diamonds and rubies and emeralds and sapphires. It was just amazing. But there were no, you know boxes. It was just a very simple wooden table. It looked like an Amish table. It was really well crafted. And there was a little treasure chest on it. And it was kind of a, you know, like you see um, when you see when they're treasure hunting under the water, it's always a rounded chest and all this stuff is coming out of it. And the bean opened it up and he said, this is a sacred dragon throughout all of history. No one has ever received this award, and he handed it to me, and I, wow. I woke up, 
and tears were streaming down my face, and I looked in my hand, and I, I totally expected to have this dragon, and when he opened it up, it was the most beautiful dragon. The wings were made of, like, filigree gold, and the eyes were emerald, and I swear I saw the eyes moving, and um, it was just the most beautiful thing, and he had given it to me, and I woke up, and I was just like, oh. it was kind of, kind of like that feeling in the church, you know, where I was just, oh, my gosh, I got the sacred dragon. But then our socializing takes over, you know, our mind takes over, and I thought, oh, God, yeah. silly woman. Yeah. You like to be, you think you're so humble, and here you think you've got an award that no one in all of humanity has ever received. Grow up, Nancy, you know, life isn't a fairy tale. And so I promptly, you know, put it out of my mind. So then about, gosh, it must have been a month later, my um, son and his wife came over, and, and Braxton, who's my grandson, and um, he was he was following me every room to every room I went to trying to follow me, but then his mom would come in and, you know, get him or do something. So they were outside and I came in to get something to show Tuesday and um, Baxson followed me in and he walked into the bedroom and he said, where dragon, Gamma? And I said, what dragon, Brax? What are you talking about? And he goes, don't we remember, Gamma? We go to that place and they give you dragon. No one in the whole world ever got before. And I was like, how could this happen? I mean, how could we have the same dream? Or how could we, you know, spirit, because we doubt everything, sometimes keeps having to remind you. What you can't see, I think, is more real than what we can see. And we just right. get so used to seeing with our physical eyes that we think that's all there is, and that's not all there is. There is so much more out there, so much more for us to enjoy I, I read a poem one time um, it's in this book, It's Becoming Wise by Kristen Tippett. And, and one of the writers had said, said something about, you know, we marvel at the heights of the mountains. We're exuberated by the depths of the sea. You know, we're just enthralled by the majesty of the world of the world and we pass ourselves without noticing and we mm. are the greatest miracle of all mm. and it's true we pass ourselves mm. without noticing and i think that is just such a sad statement mhm mhm yeah because in your book when i was reading Again, parts of it, it said the art of reclaiming you. And then also one of your headings was the art of being selfish. And I think those are both arts. Do you want to explain that, those two statements a little bit, a little bit that I read in your book, the art of being selfish and the art of reclaiming you? Well, I think again that we're you know taught that you know we have to always um think of others before ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach kids to share their toys, you know, only to get really upset when someone with whom they've shared their toy smashes it in pieces because <laughs> they weren't oh. taking care of their toy. You know we um we train our kids when they have 
you know, they have imaginary friends that that's foolish. It's time to grow up. People are going to make fun of you if you keep talking to somebody that's not there. There's no one there. It's your imagination. I think that imaginary friends are angels protecting and teaching our children and that we really do a great disservice by telling them not to believe, you know, in anything that's just not third dimensional. Um, I always put everybody first because that was, I guess, the only way I thought that I could ever be liked or, or loved, you know. My dad always told me that no one would ever love me. I was the black sheep and the black widow, and I believed it. And um, there's a place in the book that talks about, you know, sacrificing everything for other people. We teach people how to treat us. And if you, you know, again, if you don't love yourself and honor yourself, you cannot expect anyone else to do it for you. They just won't. It's like some of us who have been victimized kind of wear that brand, victim. It's like it's stamped on our chest because we think that's who we are. That's our identity. We will always be victims. And you know what? If you think you're a victim, everyone is going to take advantage of you and re-victimize you because that's what you think you deserve. I think it is so important to know the reality of who we are, and people will treat you accordingly. And even when I worked for a police department, I, um, a serial rapist or serial killer does not go after, well, women usually, that you know that seem to have confidence that are walking around looking around and seem to everything seems to be going well for them they choose somebody who's looking down at the ground that looks like they just lost their best friend they're not aware of their circumstances they're just out of it and they choose somebody that's going to be malleable and pliable, someone who's going to be quiet and not make noise or call attention to the predator when they grab you and take you to their car to take you off in an isolated field somewhere and rape you and possibly kill you. They would never take anyone who, you know, who has confidence in themselves and starts screaming. And you know, They know that if they move you, yeah. it's, you know... It's serious, and they don't want anyone to, you know, to they don't want anyone to call it to call attention to that fact. So they try to scare you, you know. I'll stab you. I'll, you know what? Even if they did, even if they did stab you when they're trying to get you to the car, your chances of survival are a lot better if you're in a crowded spot than if you're out in the country or in a forest somewhere where no one can even find you and you're bleeding out while they're trying to find you. Mm-hmm. We have to know who we are and trust in our own instincts. And another thing, when I was working for the police department, too, that really really surprised me is that most of these women were warned. They had an instinct that they should not get in the elevator with that man. It wasn't safe, but they didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings and turn around and walk away. So they got in the elevator. Most people knew that when somebody was you know, trying to, you know, I'll carry your bags up the steps for you. And they said, no, thank you. I do it all the time. I'm capable of doing it. And the person insisted, oh, just let me help you. I'd just love, you know, just let me help you. So they let the person carry the bags up the stairs. The minute they open the door, 
that's the end of the story. But we don't listen to our own intu- intuition, and sometimes, sometimes women have lost their lives by not doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So what do you think is the hardest choices right now that people are needing, and I really feel they need to make at this time? What would you say is one of the hardest choices that people are needing to make at this very um, tender time, this very tumultuous time, this time upon the planet? I honestly think that they need to remember who they are and love themselves. I think that I think love and especially self-love is tremendous and I don't think it's being conceded or um you know for the first time in my life I honestly can say that I love every single thing about myself. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you know. We're not mm-hmm. in spiritized we're perfect, but you know, we could use a little bit of work sometimes, but we're, everyone is where they need to be. And we're all into changing ourselves and changing. No, maybe you just give yourself permission to be who you are and to love yourself just where you are. I, I heard somebody say one time that, you know, they, um, when they're in gratitude, they always tell spirit, you know, my body is youthful and beautiful and strong and healthy my body knows it and my body shows it and so I do that I tell myself I love myself when I get up in the morning and I smile and I really mean it and it's like I you know and it it sounds like a silly thing to do but it really it changes little things you know we're we're set up the human beings are set up you know for rituals i mean throughout all of humanity the shamans you know um different groups that what the aztecs the what is atlanteans you know they all had certain rituals and when you do a ritual it triggers something in your body to remember you know the magnificent being that you are and i think that just little simple things to make sure you tell yourself how much you care about yourself and we're all so busy scurrying around trying to help other people. And I don't think we're here just to take care of our own selfish needs. I think we're all here, as Spirit said, to help walk each other home. But I think that we really have to have self-love. You know, um, my husband and I were in um, Maui one time, and we were walking along, you know, the beach and or the swimming pool, and there was a, a, a guy giving, an instructor giving scuba divers, diving lessons in the swimming pool and he said okay he said so this is this is the big day he said we're all going to go get into the ocean now and put on your gears your gear and he said now one thing i want to make very very clear he said if one of you if your partner or if anybody else panics and tries to grab your air mask you leave them and you come up because it's better for one to perish than two. And I remember thinking, oh, God, how could you do that? How could you live with yourself if you didn't try to save another human being? And he was explaining to them, you all have children, you all have husbands and wives. If somebody panics and you can't help them, they'll pull you down, so you have to leave them. And it's true. 
in my book <laughs> I wrote about putting the air mask on yourself first, you know. If you're on the floor unconscious because you were trying to put it on somebody else, you're not going to be able to help anybody and not even yourself. Somebody else is going to have to help you up off the floor and put your air mask on you. So really, it's not being selfish. It's In psychology, we call it, called it self-enlightened selfishness. And I think that's a good term. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to come first because you are in this body. Your body is all you have. If your body has gone, you can't do anything. You can't help anybody. You, your soul leaves, and the earth is all we have that keeps our bodies here and nourishes our bodies. You know, I, my advice is to make the two of these your top priorities, your body, you know, your soul, and the earth. And just, mm. and then you're, you're putting that, you're, you're, every time you have a, a, an enlightened thought or something, it goes out to other people because we're all connected. It's like the trees. I was reading about the trees, you know. They do this underground thing with their roots where if one tree is in distress, they send nourishment through their roots to the other tree that's in distress or sick. We do that. We just don't even realize it. When you're negative and you're thinking what a loser you are and how terrible life is and you're always depressed, you're putting that out for everybody else and it's poison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that about the redwood trees, that when one redwood tree is struck by lightning, all the other roots of the redwood tree know that that one tree has been struck by lightning, and so they don't run to the tree, they just are constantly emanating just the energy, I'm a redwood tree, I'm a redwood tree, I'm a redwood tree, and it goes down into this root system, and it starts feeding the roots of that one tree that was struck by lightning and you're saying the same thing is that when we say the words I love myself I love myself I love myself I love myself that those are roots were inter inter um, connected and interdependent and interconnected in that web and we are feeding that energy to them as well yeah and I think it's really important you know, to always be sincere about it, but to lift each other up, you know, yes. and and to lift ourselves up, too. I mean, I don't know how many times I've thought, can you get any stupider, Nancy? Jeez, you know, over silly little things. When people hear you saying that, you know, it's just they hear it and they think that's the way we're supposed to behave in our society you know it's we're not supposed to be prideful we're not supposed to do this we're not supposed to do anything we're just supposed to wallow around like sheep and follow the crowd and jump you know jump off the mountain because everybody else is doing it we have minds we have choices we get to decide who we're going to follow we get to decide if we're going to listen to spirit or we're going to listen to man you know, mm-hmm. and our gut is telling us, desperately trying to tell us to please pay attention. You know, I uh, when I was still married to my uh, my husband, my first husband, we lived in well, we lived in Colorado, and we were elders in this, um, you know, Bible packing, singing and spirit dancing in the dancing and spirit singing in tongues church, and we went up skiing. Um, with an, another group of elders, and um, I was, I mean, I was a 
pretty good skier. I could ski on the black diamonds. And, um, you know, we'd taken the kids skiing since they were little so that they could, because they liked it, and we wanted them to be good skiers. And so we were up there one day, and it was, oh, the conditions were horrible. It was so, you could barely see. Visibility was horrible. It was freezing. And um, we'd been up on several runs, and um, Linda said, Nancy, she goes, why don't we let the guys go up and uh, take this one last run, and we'll go sit in the lodge and have a cup of hot chocolate. Oh, my God, that sounded so good to me. And my husband at the time said, no. When I told him, he said, no. He said, we paid a lot of money for these ski tickets, and we're going to get the most bang for our buck. So we'll both go up, and we'll come back down, and we'll catch a cup of uh, chocolate with Linda and Terry when we get down. My guys were telling me not to go up, but I didn't want to get in a you know fight with my husband because he would never stop arguing if I didn't do what he wanted me to do, and so I just obediently went up, and so we got on. It wasn't even a black diamond; it was a blue ba- blue black um, hill mountain, and we were coming down, and I hit black ice, and I know better. I locked my knees, and I fell, and I was just rolling. And um, when I I was trying to get up, it was hard for me to get up. I couldn't get up, and Tim wanted to get the ski patrol and carry me down, but I didn't want to be in one of those body bags. So I said, no, I I scooted down on my rear is what I basically did with one leg kind of held up. And um, when we got down to the lodge, you know, it just – you know, everybody was, I, I, I looked pretty bad. And um, I had to be in a, in a cast for all the way practically up to my hips. The next yeah. year, would you, I mean, this is what we do. We sometimes don't learn from our mistakes, so we have to keep repeating the lesson. Not only did we go skiing with the same elders from our same church, we were on the same slope under the same exact conditions and Linda said, Nancy, let's go get a cup of cocoa and let the guys go up. And I told him, and he said, no, we're going to go up on one last run, and we'll come down and meet him later. And I said, I don't want to do that. I said, remember what happened last year when I went up on one last run? And he goes, well, don't be stupid. That's not going to happen again. It, just, it won't happen again. Come on, let's go. And my guys were practically yelling at me to stay off of that mountain but I went back up and I swear it was the exact I think it was the exact same spot I hit black ice I locked my knees and if you would have seen me oh my gosh hope I executed the most fantastic flip I mean it was like this triple (laughs) flip you would have thought I was training for the Olympics except that I came down on my face And um, I think, I remember thinking, oh, I can't handle this pain. And I think I blacked out for a little bit because when I came to, I was headed right towards this little kid. And he had fallen down. He was crying and crying and crying. And I was like, oh, God, if I hit him, he's going to fall off the cliff. And I was digging my, trying to dig my fingers in and, you know, stick my my feet in the ground so I wouldn't hit him and I landed like a foot before him and he looked at me and he got up and took off screaming and um, 
when I got down, I understood why, because I looked like a monster. My face, you know, when you get rug burns, was just all, Absolutely. and my eye looked like it was coming out of my... And um, uh, that year, I had to get taken down in a body bag, because I wow. had to listen to my own guides and my own intuition, and I listened to somebody else. So that, you know, when I talk about being selfish, listen to yourself. Do yourselves a favor. Take care of yourself first because my husband didn't have to go down in a body bag. He didn't have to, you know, be in a a brace, you know, for six or nine months like I did. I was the one that suffered all the consequences because I listened to somebody else. And that's what happens. Only you have all the answers within you. Only you know exactly, you know, what you're the one that's lived in your body for as long. You know how you feel. You know everything about you. Only you have the resources to make the right decisions for your life. And yet we look to everybody else and ask for their opinions. And what do you think I should do? And then we take the consensus of the group. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes. So I'm going to talk about a very pink elephant that lots of times people don't want to talk about. But And do your guides, and I know you're an astrologer, do your guides, do your angels, does the astrologer inside of you, what do you think about or give information about during this time of great upheaval in our politics or the immigrants that are coming across the border or the shootings that we see in the synagogues or the fires in our churches. What is your astrology that your guides, your angels, do they tell you anything about this very uh, hard, hard and sometimes very difficult time upon the planet at this time? First of all, I believe that we were all chosen to be here at this time, um, that we, you know, that we we chose to be here at this time because um, we're equipped, like I said, with everything we need. I think that there's going to probably continue to be a lot of turmoil. I think that the earth is going to, um, you know, the earth can take care of itself. The earth doesn't need us. But there's a difference when you do something in love and, and respect, and when you do it with disrespect or hate or greed. You know, I think that if people that are drilling for oil, for example, would, and it may sound stupid to say this, but if they were to put their arms around each other before they drilled and ask the earth to guide them as to where they penetrate and what would be easiest for the earth, the earth would gladly, the earth wants to give us everything. We don't, we rape the earth. We take everything. We destroy it. We don't honor her. And I think things are going to happen. And we're, you know, it's just because there's a paradigm of of separation, of distrust, of um, greed, of, of hate, and certainly not of love. And we need to change that. It really needs to be changed. And I think... That's part of why I'm really trying to impress upon everyone to raise your level of consciousness because we can change the earth. We honestly can change the earth. But we want somebody to do it for us. You know, 
we don't pay attention to what's going on in the world around us. You know, if if you have a job, people don't want to stand up for another person because they might lose their job. They don't want to, you know, make waves. You know, everybody else is asleep, so why should I be the one that steps up and says anything or does anything? And we need to stand together. This is what it's all about, coming together. You know, whenever there's a, a disaster or something, people pull together. Everybody's there to help out, and, you know, to do whatever they can do. And that that draws us together, and that's what we need to do. And sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes that's the only way that we are brought together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to realize we're the only ones. We, you know, especially the people that are listening to your show right now. I mean, they're listening because they're interested and they want to grow. So we have got to change the way we look at things. And we've got to change some of the thoughts that we have. we've, We've got to understand who we are. I mean, you see, you read things in the newspaper all the time about somebody who's, you know, was in a wreck and their child got thrown out of the car and they're lying underneath the wheel of the car. That parent not only picks up a five-ton car, they do it with one hand while they're pushing their child out of the way with the other. And the next day, they don't have a broken back. They may be a little sore. But how can that happen when we are called upon to do something And especially if we're doing it together and standing together, we can do anything. We really can, I believe, you know, stop a tsunami or or stop an earthquake if we're just all together. I just, I I, I believe this with all my heart. It may sound crazy, but I do believe this, that we need to come together and quit looking at the the differences in each other and and look at what's alike because we're all alike. We all want to be loved. We all want to be needed. We all have certain things. We may have our own flavor and we're packed in unique packages, but we're all alike. We're all human beings. You know, I, I I am totally on the same page with you because I believe totally that the collective consciousness when we raise our frequency and vibration. I was just telling the young women that work uh, for me at the Hope Interfaith Center and with me is that um, I was taught that an electron is like a little ball of matter. And what our neurosurgeons and um, uh, researchers have shown and proven is that our consciousness, which raises in megahertz, will move that electron into a different form. So Deepak Chopra says those electrons move out and into reality every um, 144,000 times per second. And when we push the electron out to create through, through happiness, through joy, through the energy of glee and gratitude and appreciation, and we give compliments, that electron is being pushed out in a different way through that vibration. And so when you say we can, if we come together and say we are powerful, magnificent beings, and through the higher level of frequency, we can change the world. And we are changing the world. (laughs) That's why I love people on you on the program, because not only can we, I 
absolutely believe, Nancy, that when you are writing a book like this, when you are speaking the way that you're speaking, at this very moment, we are helping raise the consciousness and we are changing the world. Uh, Yes, and that's exactly, you know, why Spirit told me to write the book. And, you know, I didn't even want to write the book. I always... I always felt like um, I was an imposter, you know. I I didn't want anyone to know about my dad because I was ashamed. And um, I thought that if people knew, they wouldn't want to be my friend or they wouldn't like me. And so I always had this secret. And when you have a secret, it's a huge responsibility. It's it's a 24-hour job keeping that secret. I mean, you have to be very careful what you say and don't let anything slip that people could tie the pieces together and all this, all of this stuff. And when I wrote the book, Spirit said that others who were experiencing many of the same things that I had experienced felt like they were all alone and without hope, and my book would give them hope. And I thought the book was to heal the masses, and it was but it was also to heal me because once I wrote the book, I don't have to keep a secret anymore. I can, everybody that's written the book or read the book knows who I am and where I came from and my experiences. And I am free to be me. And, you know, I can just present myself out there and offer myself. And if people want, they can take it. And if not, it's really, it's, you know, you have choices. You get to decide, you know, what you want to hear and who you want to listen to. And But just being on these radio shows and everything, when I was on the first radio show, I did not want to get up and talk. I didn't know. I, I thought people would ridicule me, and I just was scared. And I just, in spirit, said, all you have to do is show up, and I will speak through you. And that's it, exactly what happens. And I just think that... Spirit is desperately, desperately trying to get the message out to you. And it's just not me with this message. There are probably tons of people out there. I mean, when I went to the um, I Can Do It conference in, in Denver, we got to listen to all of the other authors speak and everything, you know, cause, and, and not have to pay to listen to them or anything. But um, we listened to Wayne Dyer, and there was Sonia Choquette, and Carolyn Miss and um, oh Morgiani, I can't think of for Anita Morgiani. And we were sitting there, and Wayne Dyer was talking, and my husband, my present husband, was saying, "Wayne Dyer plagiarized your book, Nancy. He's saying everything that you said in that book. You need to <laughs> call him on it, you know." And then <laughs> Sonia Choquette got up, and she has her own flavor and everything, but she said the same thing that is in choices and then carolyn may spoke and it was funny because spirit gives a message to a lot of different people so that we will get it we all have our own unique flavor you know somebody that might not like whatever the way somebody puts it out there might like the way i put it out and somebody might who might not like the way I put it out in my flavor might listen to if Carolyn Miss says it or something, but it's the same message and it's the same message that has been handed down to us through the ages. We're just not listening. Yes. 
Yes, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. So I think this so, is the time for us to wake up, <laughs> honestly. Yes, yes. So who are your main mentors right now? Do you have any mentors or uh, authors that really stick out for you at this time that inspire you? Um, you know, I don't can't really say that I follow anyone because right now I'm just trying to listen to spirit. Love and, it. Um, do my inner work. But I was mm-hmm. impressed with Sonia Choquette when I went to listen to her talk because her husband had just left her of 14 years. And she told her story. And this is another thing that I, I really espouse myself is that we need to speak our truth. And I think that for so many years, women have been afraid to speak our truth. And we candy coat things and... We don't tell people when we've been upset or when they've hurt us or we're always trying to make nice because that's what we do. No, that's not what we do. You know, in ancient times, the men went out and they fought the battles and they killed the dinosaurs and they did all this stuff. It wasn't because women were weaker. It was because women are indispensable. Women created life. And they couldn't sacrifice that. In many Native American traditions, it's the woman that has everything. It's her tent. It's her, you know, and she was revered as, you know, the ones who bleed and don't die. How can someone bleed for five to seven days and not die? I mean, women were held in awe. And there there was a goddess culture, and, and somehow... You know, we've decided to take a back seat, and um, in many ways, you know, we're all responsible for this shift. We really are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, women women want win-win situations for everybody. They're intuitive. They, you know, most women, I'm not saying every all women, but most women and men, you know, just want to, you know, destroy and conquer and it's and they're not listening to us. And now is the time for us to come forth and speak our truth. Anyway, Sonia Chouquet was talking about when she was a little girl, you know, her dad, she had this ability, this intuitive ability, and they were in the Catholic Church, and they were going to, um, oh, I can't think of the word for it, excommunicate her if she kept doing this. And her dad was always embarrassed of her. But she had a brother that has gotten into some serious trouble. He was always needing something. He was always in trouble and the dad really loved him. And she never said anything about it because she didn't want to call her dad on it, you know. And yet, you know, when she became famous, the Catholic Church wanted her to come and, you know, talk to them and stuff. And she said, but her dad never acknowledged her for anything she did. And it made her feel bad because she was a good person that, you know, that helped the family with money and even helped her brother with money and did all kinds of stuff. And her dad never gave her the time of day. I mean, he was nice to her, but he never wanted, he told her she was never to speak about what she did. And she never, she never talked about it. She never had her voice. And then her dad died, or her brother died. And then shortly after that, her dad died. And she was so angry. She was angry at herself for never 
being able to have the opportunity to talk to her dad, for letting him know how she felt. And now she wouldn't have that opportunity again. And because she was so angry, she just became crippled. She said she was like Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall. And Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And then because she was so incapacitated, she was always a strong one. She always made arrangements for flights and and did everything and took care of everybody. Her husband couldn't handle it, and he walked out, just walked out and left her when she needed him the most. Hmm. And then Spirit told her to go for a hike. One of these hikes that you go into the woods and everything, it's a long, long story. But anyhow, it was all to teach her to find her voice. She had to speak Hmm. her voice. She met an angel, and it told her his name was the same name as her brother's. And at one point she passed out from exhaustion, and when she woke up, there were three pennies in her hand. And her dad used to tell her, you know why we trust pennies? Because they say, in God we trust. And she woke up with three pennies in her hand. So there are spirit guides. There are things out there. It's not just me that want to help us and, 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 and guide us. And if we just trust and let go, we don't mm-hmm. have to be afraid of anything. We're taken care of. Spirit has told me we're always protected, always. Things will happen. But when we mm-hmm. realize and remember who we are, it won't happen to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is correct. That is correct. We are. We have so many guides, so many helpers, um, I, even star beings from different planetary systems are here at this time, are watching us, guiding us, helping us. And I think they're pointing, just as you say, Nancy, they're not pointing at things or objects or events or happenings. They're pointing at us and they're saying, go within, go within, go within, go within, see your magnificence, know your magnificence and use that magnificence now. And I'm trying to create the I know movement. I know that on the planetary system, we had the uh, me too movement, that it happened to me, it happened to me, it happened to me. And I think that was needed right now as we go into June, as we go into July. And what you're speaking about also in your book and how how you are articulating that our marvelousness is inside and we as women need to come together and say, I know who I am. I know why I am here and I have all the resources to create a better world. And what I call it and spirit calls it as the I know movement that is needed upon the planet at this time. And so I just want to congratulate you for writing and speaking and sharing so articulately because you have come to a point where I know who I am and I love me. And that's a powerful vibration to bring out to the planet. So I just want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that right now. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because you have the same... (laughs) Yes, we're kindred the spirit, I guess. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. We're kindred. You know, and spirit. that's another thing. I just, it's just, you know, I, like I said, my my dad tried to drown me as a kid, and so I was terrified of water. You just, you know, I just, and 
I had no idea. I, I, I wrote the book, and uh, I was seeing a massage therapist, and she invited me. She said, Nancy, why don't you and Phil come to Whidbey Island? She said, Matt and I have a vacation home there, and I'll have a book signing for you. Oh, my gosh, the bells in my head went off. Book signing. Somebody actually wants to have a book signing for me. You know, <laughs> I've arrived. And so I um, went home and told Phil, and he's really well-traveled. I'm not. But he said, yeah. He said, I have heard that's just a beautiful place. He said, I've been to Seattle. I've never been to Whidbey Island, though. He said, we have the time, so let's go. So we bought um, tickets. And um, three days before it was time to come, Michelle called me. and She said, Nancy. I'm really sorry, but I can't have a book signing for you. She said, um, Matt is getting transferred. Um, we're going to be moving to Whidbey Island permanently, and I've got to get our house in Parker ready for sale. She said, but I love your energy. I just love your energy, and I want it in my home. So come and get the key, and I'll give you the combination code. We don't have to be there, you know, and just come and stay. You'll love it there. And I was like, <gasps> I thought she was going to have a book signing for me, you know. I went home and I wanted to cancel. It feels like, Nancy, the tickets are non-refundable. So when we got, when Phil, we had rented a car when we got off the plane, and when we were headed towards the ferry, I almost had a full-blown panic attack. I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. My heart was going so fast. I was like, no. No, honey, I'm not getting on that boat. Oh, God, I can't get on that boat. And Phil said, Nancy, it's the only way on the island. There's another way now, but I would have been equally terrified. It's this huge path, deception <laughs> path. So you'd plunge into the water if anything happened, you know. But uh, So he said it only takes 20 minutes. And, you know, my mind was thinking, oh, and it only took 20 minutes you know, for the Titanic to sink. And they put ah. huge semis on this boat, and I was just, I was terrified. I'm surprised we didn't get charged for rooting the leather upholstery on that car because my fingernail marks were in it. I was so <laughs> upset with spirit. I mean, I ruined, I ruined the whole trip because all I could think of was that I had been tricked to come to this island. And I didn't do anything. I, we didn't explore. We didn't do anything. I stayed on Michelle's. She had a spacious outdoor deck. I even slept there at night. And, you know, I was watching these two little deer down drinking from her little stream. And Phil would bring home pizza and, you know, Mexican food and stuff. And I could hardly, all I could think about was getting on that boat to get back home. So the minute we got back home, I was really upset. And so I wrote an automatic writing and I said, you are Almighty God. Why did you have Michelle ask me to come for a book signing when you knew she wasn't going to have a book signing for me? And Spirit said, I had Michelle invite you to Whidbey Island because that's where you're going to be moving, Nancy, and you need to move there by the end of the summer. I was like, oh, bet me. There's no way I'm not going back to that island ever, ever. And I showed Phil, and we laughed, and I was like, but I'm always spot on. And Phil said, Maybe you were just traumatized, I mean, because you're terrified of water, so we just assumed that it was that, you know. And um, But then I started having dreams about the island, and I never even thought I'd paid attention. I mean, the trees are all different shades green. There's, like, light green and dark green, and, oh, it's, it's emerald green. It's so gorgeous. And in one dream, I was swimming along the ocean floor with a little blowfish on my left, 
and a great white shark on my right. And I wasn't scared of them at all. And it was mm. so beautiful. It was so serene. It was just like, again, it was like that incident in the church where it just, oh, the calmness and the peace that filled me. It was just amazing. And I could breathe underwater. Mm. And I was just like, oh, my God. So I did another automatic writing, and I said, you know, I don't know how I could have been so wrong. I thought you told me, you know, that I was going to be moving to Whidbey Island, and I know that's not going to happen. I'm going to stay in Colorado the rest of my life, you know. And Spirit wrote back and said, Nancy, you were spot on as usual. You still need to learn to let go and to trust, and you will flourish on the island, and our book will flourish, and I want you to be there by the end of the summer. So I was like, oh, my God. But it was like I just was I, – I, I've been – fear-based all my life. I'm not so much now. I still have my little moments, but um, I mean, I'm scared of my own shadow, and fear is a horrible thing. It's a terrible way to live your life, but um, I showed Phil, and he said, I'm not leaving here. He goes, how can we leave all this? He goes, we've got four and a half acres. Our animals love it. And uh, this is what he does when he doesn't want me to do something. He always says, animals love it because I want, Ah. you know, please the animals. But, um, and I said, well, Phil, I said, I'm learning to trust in God and not in man, and I'm moving. And he said, honest? You'd go without me? And I said, yeah, I would. And uh, he said, okay, I won't stand in your way. Everything, the house sold for top price. We got everything ready. Phil even rented a... um, what is it, one of those um, RVs so that all the animals could come with us and we'd all be together, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be traumatized. And literally, we we just thank God every day that we're here. So sometimes you think that you don't see the big picture. Like I said earlier, you don't see what God has planned for you. You have to trust that what God has for you, what Spirit has for you, is so much better than anything you can ever, ever, ever imagine. I promise you that. Wow. Wow. Choices. You have given us some wonderful, wonderful examples of choices and following spirit. Would you give our listeners some information on where they can get your book, Nancy? Uh, Yes, they can get it either through, uh, probably Amazon is the best place to get it. They can get it through Balboa Press, and they can get it from Barnes & Noble um, online. And, you know, I could also send them a signed copy, but it'd be more expensive because it cost me um, about, what, $14 to mail books from the island. So I mm-hmm. would think Amazon would be the best way to do it. But um, And if you want to get a hold of me for any reason, my webpage is www.choices, the name of the book. It's a dash. People always want to put an underscore or a hyphen, but it's just a dash. N-L-D, my middle initials, dot com www.choices-nlb.com. I'd just like to say something else that we're offering. You know, there are many people out there that while you do have the answers and everything, sometimes you just want an answer, you know. And, yeah. um So I just 
I just this is just my way of just kind of giving back. Jennifer and I decided that I was going to have an Ask Nancy page on my webpage. And so every either two weeks or once a month at the very minimum, I am going to pick two questions that somebody um, writes in and answer them on the webpage, and then they can check the webpage and see which questions got answered. But I think that Spirit's going to pick the ones that apply to the many, you know, that can reach the more people are having problems with because they seem to come in. When I do readings, they seem to come in different waves. Sometimes all I do is do readings about relationships. Sometimes all I do is do readings about jobs or health. And so I I think that's the whole purpose of it is that spirit will answer the questions that the multitudes can listen to and it's absolutely free there's no charge there's no obligation nothing i'm not going to sell your website anything it's just my way of trying to give back because wow. for everyone that's been a faithful listener and i think there's not enough free stuff out there <laughs> yeah yeah oh, i think that's great i think that's great i'm going to pretend just for a moment now that i am oprah winfrey and i'm going to ask you the question that Oprah usually asks at the very end of her soul connections with people, Super Soul Sundays. Nancy, what do you know for sure? I know that we were all that we are all powerful, mighty beings, and that we can change the world. I know it. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on our program. We will put that information that you just gave us on our website at the Hope Interface Center and on our Pure Hope blog talk. So if people want to get this wonderful book, Choices, and um, zero in a little bit and get more information on Nancy and all the wonderful things she does. And I just once again want to um, say that you are a wonderful example, really, truly, you are a wonderful example of listening to spirit and listening to your inner wisdom and championship yourself through fear. And then you say, yes, I'm going for it. I'm doing this. And when your husband said, really, you'd move there without me? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I've said that to my husband, too. <laughs> so That's great. We really are kindred spirits, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are. So thanks so much, Nancy. And thank your husband for saying yes to you and yes to spirit, too. We have to give kudos and a shout out to husbands who say, okay, I'm going with you. So we certainly want to give a shout out to your husband for saying yes to you and yes to spirit as well. So thank you for being on the program tonight with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really honored to have been on your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I just want to let everyone know that next time we are going to be on May 28th at 7 p.m. It is going to be a pre-recorded interview and it's going to be a pre-recorded interview with Echo Bodine. She is a returning guest on the Blog Talk Radio uh, show. She is a renowned international psychic and author and healer. She has also discovered her psychic abilities and gifts of healing at the age of 17 years old. Her abilities include clairvoyance, which is seeing, clairaudience, which is hearing, clairsentience, which is sensing, and Claire Gustins, which is smell. She is a longtime teacher, a profound helper on this planet, 
bringing information that helps us with the change that we are going through on this planet. So come and join me for this amazing program on May 28th as well. And I'm going to put a short plug, but an important plug in for the star gathering we are going to be having here. This is the second annual star gathering at the Hope Interface Center. You can get that information on our website at www.hopeinterfacecenter.com. It is going to be on June 22nd and June 23rd, and we have speakers that are coming across the nation. Reverend Carrie Chapman, who is a spiritual teacher and a healer and a channeler who reads the Akashic Records. Joy Elaine, who happens to be another wonderful, wonderful being, just like Nancy, we just heard Nancy on the program. She is the author and energy healer and channeler about non-duality and fairies. Brian McCullen, I love Brian. Brian is an energy worker for self and for Gaia, and he is going to be coming and speaking here. Caroline, Caroline Oceana Ryan will be coming. We had her last year. People loved her. She's going to be speaking about abundance. And Laura, Lori Spang is here and she is an animal communicator so if you want to and we call it a star gathering uh, uh, a keynote experience versus a keynote speaker I love that we're doing a keynote experience versus a keynote speaker because we're all dedicated to bringing people together and talking about our oneness our glory our beautifulness so June 22nd, as well as June 23rd. Again, the cost of that, just for one day, listening to all those wonderful speakers, $122 for one day. Two days, $222 for the whole weekend. So if you want to register, please register before June 1st. Space is indeed limited. So we thank you all for listening. We wouldn't be able to have this without our tremendous um, listeners throughout the country and throughout the nation. So I thank you. And until we meet again, namaste, 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 everyone. Namaste. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind, be gentle, be loving, be true.